uh, kia ora, sister specific. Have I got that right? Specific? Yes, too busy specific. Actually, it came to me in a dream because I was part of the... Oh, tell me. Well, I still am part of the Pacific Sisters. Ah, yeah, the celebrated Pacific That's Sisters. That's right. Many, many moons gone by and I was found myself all by my own self in London town and it came to me in a dream what my individual title would be in sister, as in stars in the sky. Yeah. Specific. Ah. It's actually, I don't know, is it a spoon? Anyway, it's like Pacific Sisters, but kind of backwards. You guys were just ahead of the curve, though, right? You guys just, uh, you're doing everything everyone's doing now. It's getting that 90s. way. Well, and some things he's still not doing now. <laughs> Well, it's wonderful. I guess what I love about that title, um, Sister Specific, is you, you subvert language. I love this with the with with the Savage Club. If I say how how do we say Savage? Oh, Club? Oh no, the Var, the Savage. Savage Club. Yes, Sorry, we've got to get the we, Var right. We are getting the Var into the Savage. We're literally recentering that wonderful Moana sort of known um, sort of concept of relational space and sustaining and maintaining relationships. Savar is a Samoan concept, but it crosses all Pacific cultures. I apply it in my Samoan-ness, but it is known in many different forms throughout most of the Pacific have some sort of va or wa. So, yeah, so lucky I didn't call it the Sawaj Club. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of creating a different kind of space. Maybe we should talk a little about the Savage Club, which doesn't sound quite (laughs) quite as nice. did you ever go to one? Did you ever encounter one? Or how did how did the, you started Savage in, in twenty ten? Was it inspired I, by any encounters with? It the, was. The, the I was. Club? I was. I was working for Moore in Vancouver, the Museum of Art and Anthropology, and I was looking at this guy Frank Brunette and his founding collections, which had started this grand museum at that stage, and. He'd made a fortune, lost a fortune, made a fortune, lost a fortune, gone all, and then he bought a boat and sailed the South Seas and wrote travel books and collected in the most loose form of the word all, all you know, these, you know, tribal art from the yes. South Seas. And I was looking through his, his personal diaries and apart from having like over 50 postcards of like, you know, half-naked Pacific Island woman, I was like, Frankie, I came across, <laughs> I know, right? I was like, oh, Frankie. So, but I came across this this card and it was um, the Vancouver Savage Clubs, you know, quarterly invites, dit, 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 dit. and then it had um, where Frank Burnett will talk about his recent travels in the South Pacific. So I was like, Savage Club? Vasista Savage Club. So, yeah. of course, I Googled it and realised I'd been walking past a Savage <laughs> Club in London because I was based in London. Oh, then. so would that have been the original? It was the OG. The, and the, the don't OG. ask me for the dates. I get them all wrong, but it was in around the 1850s. And by about the 1880s, Wellington had its very own Savage Club. Yep. So the New Zealand one started here, went up to Auckland, 18 Savage Clubs later. Yeah. They, they were so oversubscribed, they had the, the Orphans Club. But needless to say, the Sorry, more. Sorry, what was the Orphans Club? They're the Those ones, the ones that who can't fit they into caught this. on guide and so they got left out. And actually I did, I got inspired by the Orphans Club, like, well, they couldn't get in, so they made their own. Mm. So as being of the gendered of the female sort of species, I was not eligible to join any said existing savage club. So that's when I was like, well, if you can't join them, then start your own one. Especially when I saw a VAR in it. I was like, oh my God, there's a VAR in there. 
So I'm going to re-indigenize the sauvage and really use it as a space to to come together and and really look at well what what is a what is a savage? Yeah, like, but originally, as I understand it, the guy was called Richard Savage, right? He was some poet. Apparently, legend, legend, legend says, says, and they used to meet at a pub, which I used to walk past <laughs> as well, and they would eat, drink, and be merry and exchange. Were po- they all artists poetry. and writers mostly? They were back then. Like, they, like they were bohemians, and they were like the outcasts from all the other gentlemen's clubs. Yeah. And then gradually they they became bigger and bigger and until like I think it wasn't until about the nineteenth century they became a really exclusive membership base where you paid money, but they still came around art, food, and and sort of gentlemanly company. But they would have these women's events with <laughs> the um with the ladies' night where once a month the ladies were allowed into the club and they would um, have concerts. Hmm. But Wellington um, had their own orchestra. There was a Savage Club. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if you start Googling it, there, there's mm. so much info. The if, one that I know of best is the, probably the Whanganui Savage yes. Club, right? Yes. Now, I managed to get myself in there. Yes. And that really, um, that was great inspiration. Yeah, I did a pilgrimage. Hmm. And, and, oh, my God, it was honestly, it's mind-blowing. But that's I use that as a base for my first installation form of the the Savage Club because I'd been having little meetings and gatherings and and stuff. But I got invited to the um, Asia Pacific Triennale in um, Brisbane. Yes, and to do a club room. So I was like, well, what would my club room? I've got an image look? of that on our web page for people. Awesome. Mm. That's what my club room. So I've kind of riffed, you know, a little tongue and cheeky cheek. So there's, you know, they ha- love their portraits. So the Savage Club, we love our portraits. We, you know, you have a special occasion. We love regalia, but we don't mm. um, appropriate other people's. Or cultures of regalia. We make our own. We know who's made it. We mm. we craft it with our own hands, and and we do love having fun and coming together over food and merriment. Yes. So so, but there's also a lot to unpack in terms of you know recentering indigenous practices. Well, just to go back, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time talking about that Savage Club rather than the Savage Club, but I, it is, is so fascinating. So for people who don't know, like if you went to the Whanganui one, you would see Māori carvings that were carved by Pākehā, gents probably. And th- there was a whole lot of tikanga, right, or an adoption of tikanga. There was definitely some adoption of tikanga. And it, like, ho, 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 I'm the komatua, and ho, ho, yeah, ho, I'm... Yeah, I think when it really started in the in in like about 1890s, I, you could see that early settler New Zealanders were really trying to like find their own identity mm. and try and move away from this association with the, the UK. So it was and kind of positive in that sense. Th- I think it started out that way. Yeah, right. But then I think it, it kind of morphed into a very sort of, you know, dangerous sort of caricature of, of yeah, they, they called them, they had ranking systems. So they had the rangatira or, you know, when you, the, yeah. rang, the rangatiras and the, the tawas and they had yeah. toa. So then I started to see, well, where did they get this Maori influence from? Very little Maori um, membership because they've got amazing book minutes so I've actually ah. I've read through a lot wow. so the only um, the only really long-term Maori member who probably did make a big impact was Tirangi Hiroa so old Peter Buck oh okay and he actually took the Auckland Savage Club members down to his uh, well to Taranaki where they'd built a new marae 
and he brought the Savage Club and they had a true, from what I could have read, they had a, a true coming together, like an, a cultural exchange basically. Mm. Whereas a lot of it was honestly dressing up in, in Māori regalia with taiaha and 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 yeah. After a while, I was just like, yeah, oh look, this is just too much. You guys, you you do you, and we'll we'll let's. I do want to do a shout out in a way to the Savage Clubs that exist in the prison. We had um, somebody from the Waimati Savage Club on the radio last year. I see Susie Ferguson spoke to them. A very nice sounding lady, woman, speaking about all the beautiful work they do in the arts in their community. So I suspect it's changed. That's right. Well, that's one thing I actually admired about them that it was always about um, coming together through the arts, through mm. food, and then also fundraising for various arts. And and on that side, I was like, oh, look, that's brilliant. But it was just, it just sort of got stuck in a particular time, and I don't think it aged well, shall we say. No. And then, yeah, and then I think in the, but it wasn't until the 80s you'll find that they started to let women in, but by then I think a lot of them had sort of waned. But I still, I love a good savage club. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't want to join their club. I made well, well the Savage Club <laughs> is doing extremely well. You've got chapters all around the world, including one here in Pornicky. And you've got numerous events on at the moment. You've got a wonderful um, uh, tea house down at the Performance Arcade this weekend that we're speaking. And then you've got an t- uh, exhibition at Te Oaha, Tonga, I think. Would you? That's right. Yeah. We've got a, we've got, I'm the self-appointed lifetime founding member of the, the Savage Club. So you don't have a committee. And no, then, no one's appointing you. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a dictator. No, no, no it's like, no I've, and I've got an heir apparent, who's oh. my son, Salvador Brown. And I'm proud to announce that Porniki has its own self-appointed lifetime president right. in the form of Suzanne Tamaki, who is um, who is working together with James Waititi, who's also moved down here, and they are now um, doing gigs and inviting me down, which is great. So I've come down to support support the Porniki Savages and and yeah, and hang around and help them out. Yeah, so the exhibitions on runs through Fringe. And then the performance arcade closes on Sunday. All the high teas got booked out in a week. Could so you not ha- believe it? So you're having high teas? Is that that yeah. sounds like another subversion of a, a colonial imported thing? The Absolutely, high tea. but we actually. Oh, who loves high tea? I mean, though? but we love a high tea. Do I you mean, have like the you know the cake stands? We do. Oh. We actually have the cake stands, and we have like lots of you know lovely little nibbles. And every now and again, we might throw in the odd sort of. <laughs> Thing. And and then we entertain you on on and but those have actually booked out. But then we just open the club room so that you can just come, come one, come all, just come sit with us. We exchange stories, eat together. We have um, some kava that that we've we've been mixing and and just to talk story and just sort of to really yeah. Make that connection, make that relationship, putting mm. the var in the savages. And I think you've got a gig at the Hannah Playhouse. Is that still happening? A takeover of the. Oh, no, Hannah you Playhouse? might have to ask the Pornicky crew. Oh, I'll have about to talk to the Pornicky crew. But yeah. then you're off back off to Australia again. We were talking about Queensland before, but you're off to, to the big capital there. Oh, uh, yes, Canberra. The no. National Gallery of Australia has invited the a clubhouse to set up. That's right, actually. I'm really quite. Um, I'm really looking forward to that one. It's. And it's quite different for us. It's an open, an open space. I think they were in, interested in finding a voice. They're doing a big blockbuster Gauguin, and I think that they saw a lot of kind of eye rolling, you could say, to from a lot of the Pacific art co- community. Yeah. And they asked me if, if my opinion, and I was like, well, you know, we're we're living artists, so you know. <laughs> 
that's you know what I would put through. Yeah, so they asked me, so it's brilliant because in terms of the Savage Club has a Tahitian branch as well. Well, actually, not even Tahiti, Rayatia, which mm. is one of our Rangiatia. It's one of our homelands. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, so I went to Rayatia and um, we had a meeting with the membership over there, <laughs> and. Um, we're going to bring some of those members over to Canberra yeah. and, of course, some of our, our members from Aotearoa. We've got each individual artist has such a great practice. You've got a lot of body-centered practices, so we've got kind of the vis- the more visual elements. Then you've got mm. the, the what we call, you know, the activators, and we're really looking at activating. Again, it's got a VAR in it, so the that VAR's there. So we're really looking at how we, we really build up the relationship that is the focus of the art and then mm. through there we sort of open out to making sure that we're connecting with local indigenous crews so we're not just dumping our stuff over there so yeah so i'm working with local mob at the moment uh-huh. just to see how we can sort of kind of meld together and and even just the basics like just meeting them to to know that they make they know us and that that actually it's okay that we you know, because there's a lot of issues, you know, like why are we taking up space that they yeah. put on? Well, I was going to ask about that because it's very interesting, your work um, and its cultural politics in terms of coming into to the museum and into the gallery and actually creating the VAR or the space and and who are you and this, et cetera. Um, and I, I was kind of interested in asking you around the space. It, I mean, clearly we... we the, the wall has been pulled from our eyes in terms of any idea that a museum is a neutral space as it currently stands, right? It's, uh, and, and I know you've worked at the Metropolitan Museum in New York. We had, I had Maya Nuku on the show recently, which was a wonderful thing, wonderful woman. You know, it, it, there's some amazing things happening, but it's like, um, it, it, you know, that, that question of who you are to do it and whether in a sense, I don't know if it's brownwashing rather than whitewashing, but you know what I mean? It's like you're making the... The, the, the white administrators do... I mean, it must be a complex business for you where you feel you're being used rather than able to take space. It's a delicate... It's a highly negotiated space. Mm. And I've been working in it now for over 25 years. I actually met Maya in London when I was curating the Pacifica Styles at the Cambridge University Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology. And of course her family background yep. with the Nati Ranana is another interesting kind of yes. take on what we're saying with No, Sahaj. absolutely, and I was a member of Ngati Ranana oh. as, as well, so we were really looking, you know, and not every, not every negotiation it works. You know, you win some, you lose some, but you know, I'm constantly there to remind them of who is telling the story, whose story are they telling. The Savage Club, we, we're not going to be telling stories of, of other tribal people that, that are we are not directly connected from. We can only sort of bring in Alvar and Alvar relationships. And then for us, it's also about how you sustain and maintain those relationships. Because a lot of the museum work, you know, you do a job, there we go, and they're next, and they're on their next artist, you know. So it's really about really working these relationships so that they don't become dormant as the collections that they house and sort of yeah. reminding them that there's a living community, that, you know, there are bodies, there are shared histories, and there are new histories. Like, that's one of our big things. You can't just leave all out the... 
know, I'm really interested in the moly of things, the moly, and, and mm. how this is reactivated through a body, through a body that has all this genealogical matter of past, present, and, mm. and how we take that into the future. And because I have sort of been slowly working in that, I said slowly, and it's like 25 years, because there's so much door sort of knocking and opening and closing and, and things, but there's definitely, on the more positive side, the museum space has become a really inspirational space for yes, us. Yes. The collections teach us so much. And also we're sort of, I call that the VAR and the conservation. <laughs> yeah, because what are they trying to conserve? If they're only interested in the, the physicality of the collections, then then that's only a part of the actual yeah. sort of, you More know. More comfortable so, dealing with an object than a person, right? Totally. Humans come with a whole lot of different set of negotiations for <laughs> sure. And there's, there's, yeah, so again, that VAR, you're looking at how what, they need to be conserving these and building and sustaining these relationships with li the living communities today. And, yeah, and, and sometimes we have to walk out our, right in the door ourselves. We can't wait to be invited. Yeah. Well, we're, 20, we're talking 25 years. It's 25 years since Te Papa, our National Museum here in Aotearoa, was founded, and that was founded as a bicultural museum right That's right should be but i kind of like i wonder sometimes if we how far we're progressing I, I went i was in america last year and i went to the met but i'd also went up to maine and, and visited a museum there which has now entirely been given over to the indigenous people of that area and who are choosing what objects they place and where they do it and how they do it and being given the resources and i thought these guys are here Head of where we are in Aotearoa. Yep, know. there's been so much work with that that museum I mentioned, the Museum of Anthropology and Art in Vancouver. That yes. was um, the the new build was purpose built, working with local Haida people, and they um, have built special rooms that house some of their collections mm. that they can take to their potlatch ceremony yes. and bring them back. There's, there's boxes there that the curators are not allowed to open. They one of them, you know. So they've really built up a relationship of trust, and that's when I was like, I'm always interested in good practice. I was like, this is good practice, this is good practice, and and that's when I had started working a lot more. in, in while I was in London, I started being working with the British Museum and the Cambridge, really pushing back on on creating new pr protocols and why we're insisting that we would like to touch things, we'd like to use things, we, you know, that, yes. and really questioning a lot of their things. Yeah, so it's really important that we bounce out in the world so that we can actually, you know, as a global community, actually see what good practices and then bring it into our things. Yeah, Te Papa is swings and roundabouts. Same with Auckland Museum. I've had yes. every good experience I've had, I could tell you something heartbreaking. Yeah, right. So it's, and it, and it's, yeah, as I said, it's this highly negotiated space, but it keeps life interesting. <laughs> Rosanna, Sister Specific, thank you so much for coming in. What a wonderful conversation. Kia ora for all your mahi. Thank you, for sake.